This is Living Lean, the show that teaches you how to apply the science of nutrition and training to sustainably create your leanest, strongest body and build the most confident version of yourself. I'm your host, Jeremiah Bear. Let's get into the show. What is going on? I am here with my man, Mike Milner. Mike, thank you for being here, dude. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Of course, bro. So for the listeners that might not know, we just give us a quick intro on what you're up to right now, what you're doing, and then I want to dive into your backstory just a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Mike Milner, I am the owner of Peak Optimization Performance. It's a uh, nutrition coaching company. Um, you know, I, I kind of don't like to put that label on it because we know it's so much more than that when it comes to just coaching in general. Um, but that is kind of our specialty. We focus on helping people align their personality type with their nutrition and fitness. So really just taking the whole individualization that I feel like um, has become kind of bastardized, I'll say, in our industry um, and taking it to that next level to help people just understand what works for them as an individual. And that's really, at the end of the day, like my mission. I feel uh, I'm very passionate about the shortcomings of the diet industry. So uh, the motivation behind what I do is to kind of change the way that we talk about diets, the way that we approach diets, and the way that the kind of status quo is operating right now. I'm hoping to kind of change that approach to a more personalized, uh, rather than trying to find this like one best diet that fits everybody. Like let's actually understand each person as an individual. Um, so that's really, you know, what our company is all about. Um, I am also a published author recently and also have a podcast that I host called the mind over macros podcast, which is just something that I'm super passionate about. Uh, I love this, this platform to be able to communicate with people like yourself and just, uh, you know, talk about things that, uh, we're hoping to change and, and provide some insight for people. I love it, man. And I, I want to dive into your book here in just a bit as well, but I couldn't agree more. I think that the belief or so many people like preaching that there's one single diet that's the solution for every single person out there has caused so many people so much frustration and pain to really like so frustrating to see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that um, when you just look at it, we understand like individual variants. We understand that conceptually but for some reason when it comes to nutrition that appears to be like a mental roadblock for people to get <laughs> over it's like you know i always use this example if i told you that every single person in the world should date somebody with brown eyes you'd be like that's kind of crazy right like we all have different preferences but when it comes to nutrition we're constantly on the search for like the one magic solution that's going to work across the board and, and we just know that based off of statistics and then obviously anecdote um, so when you have the science to support it and you have the experience to support it uh, we're we're trending in the wrong direction as far as going down that path and hopefully we can uh, continue to pivot and do things in a more productive way I love it, man. And that's such a good analogy too. So let's take this back a little bit. You're somebody that's clearly very passionate about individualized nutrition. Can you take us through kind of your backstory? Like what got you into all this? What makes you so passionate about it today? Yeah, for sure. It, it is very personal to me and both from the experience that I went through and then also in what I witnessed in other people going through. So for me, um, I grew up an athlete and I played sports my whole life, never really had to think about training or nutrition. It just wasn't something that I was ever made aware of until much later in life. So uh, I went through just playing sports and through high school and college and 
after college, I graduated and I picked up a lot of bad habits as typical college kids tend to do. I was sure. eating a lot of not the best quality foods. I was drinking a lot of, of beer and other stuff. And uh, once organized sports was over, I didn't have the activity to match what I was doing. So I woke up one day and I say it like it happened overnight. It obviously didn't happen overnight, but it was truly like one morning I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, holy shit, I, I don't even recognize who I am. Uh, I was 250 pounds. And for me, it wasn't so much that I physically didn't recognize myself. It was, I started associating like all of my friends, my social circles, the people that I hung out with the most, that was all through sport. And when I didn't have that anymore, I was like, I can't go back and face these people who haven't seen me in a while. And they're going to be like, what the hell happened to you? And so I started, you know, there was this fear of being seen of, you know, from people who would be like, you know, I knew I was going to get questions. How did you, you know, why'd you let yourself go? How'd you gain so much weight? Like all the stuff that I just didn't want to deal with. So in my mind, I was like, well, I have to get this weight off as fast as humanly possible so I can go see my friends again. Right. I associated that with like my identity. And it stirred up a lot of insecurities. And I tried to do things in all the wrong way because I didn't know any better at the time. It was like, all right, I'm going to eat as few calories as possible and I'm going to do as much cardio as possible. And even though I hated doing cardio, it was just, I thought that's what I had to do. So it was like slaving away for hours a day and, and just trying to get the weight off. And I thought like, you know, once I get below 200, I'll be good. I can, you know, go back and live my normal life again. Uh, and unfortunately, that, that was a journey that went on a lot longer than I anticipated because I would lose the weight and I would gain it back. And um, it, I had, you know, just went down this path of, of chronic dieting and rinse and repeat diet cycles and jumping from one program to the next. Um, so I tried pretty much everything uh, that I could possibly get my hands on to figure out how to get my weight down. And every time I would, you know, have a short-term success, it would rebound and start the process all over again. Uh, the, the first kind of, you know, transformational moment, I'll call it, was when I was introduced to strength training because at the time I thought I just had to do cardio. And like I said, I didn't enjoy it, but that I just believed that I had to suck it up and get it done. Uh, when I was introduced to strength training, that changed my relationship with exercise. And I found something that I was passionate about because I could see progress, you know, in a tangible way as far as being able to lift heavier, feeling the strength, seeing my body change. But nutrition was always a hurdle for me and it was still something that I struggled with a lot. I couldn't find anything. I was still, I still had a lot of bad habits that I developed and no program out there that I tried was really catering to me as a person. It was like, here's our meal plan. I would get like a grocery list. I would get a good foods versus bad foods list, or I would get this like templated, you know, eat this, don't eat that. Here's your calories, whatever. I mean, I tried everything. So, and, and everything I, every time I failed at one of those programs, I looked at myself as the, the reason that I was failing. Like I was the common denominator. Uh, I, I would see other people losing weight. Like what's wrong with me? Why can't, why can't I be successful? Um, and there was, you know, I was at a, going to this gym and actually started uh, to become a personal trainer at that gym. And at the gym, they were doing these six week mm -hmm. challenges and I had signed up for a couple of them and same thing would happen. I would get great results during the six weeks and then I would lose all my progress afterwards. And the like one light bulb moment was I kept seeing the same people signing up for challenge after challenge after challenge and never really making true progress. So they would lose weight for six weeks. They would gain it back. They would sign up for the next challenge. They would lose weight, gain it back, sign up for the next challenge. So I was like, it's one thing if I'm going through this, like I can put myself through the ringer, but if I'm seeing other people 
doing this to themselves. And it wasn't just the physical results. Like because I started training other people there, I would have conversations with the members and it was the, you know, verbal abuse that they were giving themselves. It was the, I'm a failure. I can't be successful. I'm never going to lose weight and keep it off. Like all the, it was the mental struggle that I was like, something is not right. So I had to figure it out from, figure it out for myself. And that led me down the path of like investing everything I possibly could into nutrition education. So I got like, I don't know, six or seven nutrition certifications. Um, I became obsessed with learning everything I possibly could about metabolism, hormones, physiology, and that helped, but it honestly wasn't like the missing piece. It wasn't until I really invested in the psychology side of things, started to learn about behavior change and mindset. And, um, and one of my early mentors was Christian Thibodeau and, and he started doing neurotype training. And I was actually one of his like early adopters of neurotype training, which is where the whole personality, you know, concept came into play. And that was like, one of the best moments of my life when we had a two hour conversation, he was like, everything that you've experienced, it's not your fault. It's just because nothing was ever built for you, for your personality. And it makes sense what you've experienced because that's your personality type. And it was like somebody lifted this big weight off of my shoulder. And I finally felt like it was almost like permission that it wasn't my fault. And, um, I, I kind of took it and ran with it and just became super passionate about that and uh, helping people understand, their own individual needs, how their personality matches, you know, how we can use that information to align their nutrition with their personality type. And it just, um, you know, that was kind of the whole long-winded backstory to, uh, to where we are today. I think that's so relatable to so many people listening. And it sounds like, and I mean, I've been there myself, but it sounds like for the longest time you were just stuck in this cycle of like, whatever, I have to cut carbs and weight rebound because I hate not having carbs in my life. And like, I know for me personally, so many clients hop on a call and I've like, just like you said, I've been in the same situation. It's like, man, when I can follow the keto diet, I crush it. I get great results, but I really miss carbs. And then I fall off and people just get like you were talking about with the six week challenges. People just get caught up in that shit for years and years and years. And I think truly like just understanding that there's more than one way to do things like and I'm sure you've had the same experience. I know I've brought on so many clients where it's like, okay, you're trying to work out six times a week, but that's not something you can stick to. Like, what if we try three? You're trying to eat 1,200 calories. What if we do 1,800 and we let you actually eat carbs? And even though it's like we're doing less, you get better results because it's actually something you can stick to for the rest of your life. Yeah, and I think that the definition of success, because you're exactly right when somebody is like, oh, I had success with xyz diet it doesn't matter any protocol and like i had success with it but i couldn't sustain it well by definition it wasn't successful <laughs> and i think we always keep we, like we look at the temporary results and we're like man if i had just kept doing that i would have been you know on my way but right. there's a reason why you stopped it's because it was not sustainable and therefore it was not successful so that was my mindset too in the beginning it was like man if i could just like white knuckle my way through this. I know it works, but every time I keep trying and, and honestly, the, the more you pull the pendulum in that direction in the restriction, you know, the restrictive um, direction, the further it swings back in the opposite direction. So I went through uh, a period of time where I was having like crazy binge sessions uh, where I would like just I would try to become even more restrictive. I'm like, that's it. I'm going to be perfect on my diet. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to have anything that's like not on my approved food list and I'm, I'm going to stick to it. And then I would just have these like epic binge sessions like all weekend. And then it would be the same thing. Like, all right, I got to do better. I need more discipline. Uh, but it, sometimes it, it's a matter of just understanding what success actually means. Because if it's not sustainable, then that's not success. 
100%. And I think that for anybody listening, if you are stuck in a place where it's constantly like, okay, this is the time, this is the time I'm going to finally be more disciplined and I'm finally going to follow through with this shit. You're probably still taking the wrong approach and it's smart to like reconsider. Right. Cause yeah, I think exactly. so many times like, I'm just like these other people that have like accomplished what I want. They're just way more disciplined than me when the reality is, it's probably like what they're doing is probably just actually a better match for like the personality or who they are. Yeah. And the cool thing about that is we have research that has looked into characteristics of successful dieters, people who have been able to achieve weight loss for three, five plus years. And one of the characteristics is that discipline is a part of the equation but it's actually a small part of the equation because they don't rely on it as much as, as people think. Um, so I look at it as like discipline is this battery that we have that we want to keep fully charged. And every time we have to make a sacrifice or we have to make a decision or we have to use our willpower, we're draining that battery. So for successful people, yes, they are able to use discipline, but they always are operating with a fully charged battery so they can use it when they really need it. Like when, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, having to, eliminate carbs completely where if you think about that every time you walk past the cabinet every time you see a carb every time you're out to dinner every time there's you know somebody else in your life that's eating carbs you're draining that discipline battery because you're thinking I want that but I can't have it and it's draining that battery till eventually you break so if that was allowed on your plan and you're like yeah I can eat that if I want it you don't have to use discipline but then if if you have a fully charged battery when things get stressful and something comes up in your life that kind of throws you off your routine and now you're like, oh, now I really need to kind of buckle up here and, and use that discipline muscle, then it's already fully charged and, and you're going to have more to work with. So good, man. I, I couldn't agree more with all that. All right, brother, I want to get into your book a little bit. So you don't mind, we just break down for us like your book. Um, and this just dropped within the last couple of weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's been uh probably about a month uh, since it was released. And um, it, it was cool. I was pretty amazed by the response that I didn't anticipate it being as popular as it was, which is a good so, thing, a good thing to happen. Um, we actually hit bestseller in Amazon. Go. Um, so awesome. that was pretty cool. Uh, but I should say, so I can qualify this because with Amazon, you get to pick like two categories that you want to be placed in okay. and you hit best bestseller in your category. So it's not like bestseller across all of Amazon. It's bestseller in my category. But anyway, um, so it's the personality oh, yeah. diet. And uh, yeah, so the whole thing is like, I, like I mentioned, my mission is to really change the conversation that we're having when it comes to nutrition so that more people understand that what works for somebody else is probably not going to work for them. And this search for like the magic solution. And uh, I, I just wanted to get more information out there to start the conversation of individual variants and really looking at it from like a top down approach, because so often we look at our issue as like, it's a weight loss issue. Like I'm not happy with my body. And this was me. I was guilty of this, right? I wanted to be below 200 pounds. And I thought that, you know, my friends would accept me if I was back to the athlete body that they knew me as. And it, it had nothing to do with my, my physical size. It was all about the insecurities and my identity and a lot of these other stories I was telling myself. So I look at it as uh, we often think it's the physical results that we need first, but it's actually the mindset that we need first in order to make the physical results last. So I've seen a lot of people try and force a physical goal without having the proper mindset. And that's where the temporary results come into play, where you can, you know, use discipline, white knuckle your way through a program. But if you're not bringing your mindset along for the ride, 
you're going to revert back to your old ways. You're not going to be able to sustain it. And that's just, I mean, we have so many statistics and, and so much research on this, um, but the message still needs to be out there more. We have to start with the mindset and the psychology first. So my book was a way to help people understand what that actually looks like. Like what are some of the mindset traits that we need to do this for life? And, you know, oftentimes we think of fitness as a start date and an end date, like, oh, we have this goal. And then once we reach that finish line, it's like, all right, I'm done. All the work is done. It's just smooth sailing. And we know that's not the case because the work that you did to get there, there's going to still require work to sustain it. And you're probably going to have other goals. And so this is another um, kind of psychology principle where we become used to what we acquire and then we set another goal. So it's like, I achieved this 10 pounds down. Okay, cool. Now 10 pounds down is my new norm. I'm used to this, but now I want 10 more pounds and we set another goal. So again, it's understanding like what is the proper mindset and psychology that we need to have to create sustainable behavior change habits that will actually last a lifetime where we're not looking at it as, okay, I'm going to start on this date. I'm going to hit my goal by this date and then everything is going to be great. Um, you know, it doesn't work like that. So really the book is to help people understand that what that process looks like for them and to kind of filter a lot of the noise that's out there and be able to put it through their own personal lens of, does this actually make sense for me in my situation, in the context of my life? And then how can I, you know, take this and apply it to come up with my kind of forever solution? Okay. Okay. I love it. So when we're talking about in this personality diet, are there like specific characteristics you can focus on within individuals to determine like, okay, this might be what your personality type is or like what is potentially the best nutrition strategy for you? Yeah. So the, the personality types give us insight into kind of like brain chemistry, the way that you're wired. And I look at that from like a compliance standpoint. At the end of the day, consistency and adherence are most important. We could have the argument about calories and macros and all of that, but if you can't actually stick with it, it's not doing you any good. So I look at it as what's a one way that we can approach things to make compliance, to make consistency and adherence just more effortless, right? To not have to feel like we're using discipline all the time. So when we know somebody's personality traits, it gives us insight into kind of the way that their brain is wired. An example would be if I know somebody is very outgoing, extroverted, they're a risk taker, kind of a natural leader, uh, more goal oriented, more aggressive and outgoing in their personality. Um, that person is typically driven by dopamine, which is our neurotransmitter that's responsible for like reward, you know, seeking or the pleasure center of the brain. So we know that that kind of, you know, for them, they're very like future based thinking. So for them, it's like, I'm, I'm okay risking my life to jump out of an airplane because that reward response that I get is worth it. And that's kind of their, their drive, their motivation. So they're dopamine dominant. Um, so when we look at personality traits, we start to get insight into neurotransmitters. And um, neurotransmitters are, are literally just chemical messengers that control everything from emotion to action to memory to movement to muscle contractions to you know fear, anxiety. Every single process in the body is controlled by neurotransmitters in, in some way, shape, or form. So once we know kind of like that, that brain chemistry of an individual based off of their personality traits, then we can kind of structure a protocol that aligns with their nature. So if we use that dopamine dominant individual, um, they like to set ambitious goals. They, they get bored very easily. They don't like to just do something that's repetitive because they like to, you know, they, they want that, they're that risk taker. They want to do something that's going to challenge them. 
So for that person, if I'm setting up a nutrition plan and I'm like, all right, here are your macros, same numbers every day, no change. We're just going to hit the same meals, you know, meal prep every, every it's going to be chicken, rice, and broccoli, you know, lunch and dinner. And, you know, maybe we'll switch up your breakfast, but you're going to hit the same macros all the time. Um, they're going to get bored. They're going to lose interest. And that's not, I'm not aligning with their personality type. If I know kind of the way, you know, on the flip side of that, just to use another example, somebody who is more anxious, they're going to be serotonin dominant and serotonin is the neurotransmitter that's responsible for like contentment, sense of well-being. Um, so if you have lower serotonin, you have higher anxiety. For that person, the best cure for their anxiety is predictability, is routine, it's organization. They want to know what's coming in advance. They like the same thing over and over again. So in that same approach, if I were to say same macros every single day, your meals are going to be basically the same every single day. That's going to ease their mind. That's going to align with their nature because they're a little bit more anxious. So knowing the personality traits then allows you to set up certain strategies to allow them to be more compliant without having to think as hard about it. Such interesting stuff, man. And I like, that's all very intuitive, but at the same time, there's so much science like you talked about and like within neurotyping to kind of back up as well. And similar to like the, like there's no best diet. I think also you hear people throw out there a lot, even in like the more like individualized nutrition coaching space, like fat or like we always like you get this idea that slow weight loss is like the only way to go but like so often like i've seen the same thing like if you bring on an individual that doesn't like you said that's like a very type a like aggressive they like set goals and you're like nope we're just gonna lose like half a week and you'll be there in whatever 20 to 30 weeks or say fuck this and leave and like again it's not something they can stick to you're not actually doing them any favors yeah that's exactly right and that's a perfect example uh there's no one way to approach it as far as like should we do something that's like quick and more aggressive for a short period of time or should we do more of like the marathon approach again if we know kind of the way that that person's wired how their what their uh you know their brain chemistry looks like it becomes very easy to align that protocol. And then you have people like myself who are adrenaline dominant and we are kind of like the, the ADD people of the nutrition and training world. Like we jump from program to program. We need variety. Um, right. The reason for that is, you know, with, with adrenaline, uh, because we're, we're highly potentiated by any increase in adrenaline. But what happens is once that novelty wears off, we don't get that same adrenaline response from the same activity. So that's why we go like all in on something. But then once we start to get used to it and we no longer have that novelty effect, uh, it wears off and we look for the next thing because we want that adrenaline spike where that's kind of like our dominant neurotransmitter that drives our behavior. So it makes sense when you look at people like myself, we go, uh, and that was my history. It was like, I'm going to try every single diet out there. And then every time I tried a new diet, I was like, I'm all in, this is the one. And I would like latch onto it. And the same thing with training. You know, I was like, all right, I'm going to be a power lifter. I'm going to be a bodybuilder. I'm going to do CrossFit. I'm going to do boxing. Like it was all over the place. Um, and that's just the way that, you know, my brain is wired. So rather than trying to fight against that, we can use that information to our advantage so that we set things up where for somebody like myself, uh, whoever, anybody who is my neurotype, which is a type 2A, um, you know, we need to keep variety in the mix. But we also want to keep like a logical progression because we still need to follow some of the, the basic laws of progressive overload, you know, calorie deficit to drive weight loss. You know, we can't circumvent right. some of these principles, but we can, you know, we can attack it in a way that is more in line with your nature. Okay. So would you, that's super interesting to me. Would you mind taking us through then? So like for somebody that is your personality type, you said the type 2A, right? 
So like for you to keep you engaged or somebody with the same personality type as you, what would your nutrition protocol look like? Like how do you vary that across months? Yeah. So I love doing more of like an interval approach where what I've seen is that there's certain type two A's who can do something for like four weeks before they get bored. That's kind of not me. I'm more on like the two to three week. So they're even within each personality type, you still have to know a little bit more about the person. It's not just like we take a personality test and then we send you on your way. We still have to understand like your lifestyle and, and different things like that. But for you know, for me, I found that typically in that three to four week period is like the sweet spot for an interval for a type 2A. But even within each interval, within each phase, there has to be variety in the mix. So an example might be, let's say I'm trying to go through like a fat loss cycle and I'm going to start off with like a 20% deficit. The way that I'm going to break that out is I'm going to do, you know, five days at one set of macros and then I'm going to have like back-to-back refeed. So it's it's not the same thing across the board. I have enough of, of a change up in my week that it kind of keeps me still engaged, but that's only going to work for me for about three weeks before I get bored. So then let's say, you know, we're making progress, but we need to like kick things up a notch. So now I'm going to, you know, increase the deficit by about five more percent, let's say. So now I'm at a 25% deficit going into phase two, but this time I'm going to do training versus non-training numbers. So I'm going to have one set of macros on my training day. I'm going to have one set of macros on my non-training day. So now there's still variety in my week. Um, And then what I might do is, is take a, you know, next block, let's say it's another three week phase. I'm going to do something like, um, so kind of like a uh, carb backloading approach. And I'm going to use most of my carbs, either like post-workout and then at the end of the day or save, like if it's a non-training day, save them mostly for end of the day. So there's still a little variety, but I'm going to do something where I'm getting my calories back up to maintenance uh, for at least one of those weeks or maybe two of those weeks, depending on the person. So now we've got to kept this like periodization in mind where we're not just hitting a deficit and allowing our body to adapt completely. And now we've kind of phased things across three different phases that look very different, even though the progression is still logical, right? but we've kind of switched things up for the person so that they stay engaged in the process. Okay. Oh, so interesting. And I can think of a couple of clients right now that comes to mind where I haven't really even looked at it like that, but that's very much what we've done. Even like nutrition or training, it's like, like one client just recently, I know I gave her, I wanted to try out a five week progression across like typically I do like a whatever three to six week training phase for her. We'd always cut it up four. I tried to do five and by week five, she was like, I am so bored <laughs> with just doing the same movements. And like similarly with her nutrition, she's been someone where we're constantly like, of course the basic principles are there. We're constantly experiencing, experimenting with different methods just because without that, she's not engaged. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the cool part is like, we can even take it a step further, which sometimes I'm a little hesitant to talk about because people have the tendency to mistake the forest for the trees. But if you understand, like this is kind of getting into more of the finer details that as long as you've got all the big rocks covered, then we can start to get into more advanced methods. But once we know kind of like what your dominant neurotransmitter system is, then we can even look at food um, timing and, and meal, you know, kind of food choices to optimize that. So like if we're talking about that dopamine dominant individual who's like very aggressive risk taker, uh, they want to set ambitious goals we want to help them protect their dopamine system. One way of doing that might be to have a very high protein, lower carb type of approach because we're, we're favoring the, the transport of the amino acid L-tyrosine, which is a building block for dopamine. So if I start their morning 
with like a high protein, high fat breakfast, let's say, um, I know that I'm getting more of the building blocks into their system for dopamine production versus high carb, which would favor the transport of L-tryptophan, which is the building block for serotonin. So that can be useful um, if you understand serotonin is responsible for calming the brain down. And we have somebody that's higher anxiety well, now, you know, strategically using carbs to help ease that anxiety, calm the brain down. Um, for somebody who's kind of on the flip side of that, like I said, the dopamine dominant individual, we can kind of favor that dopamine production and protect that system because we know it's their dominant system. So knowing, um, you know, the, the brain chemistry then gets, you can start to really like fine tune things and have some fun with like how we optimize. And, and really what that looks like is you want to notice more like mood stability, you feel more like yourself, more natural motivation, more mental clarity. Um, so when we look at like monitoring biofeedback and we're starting to play around with some of these different um, protocols, that's kind of how we get that feedback as, you know, is this actually helping? Such interesting stuff, dude. I love this. So if you don't mind, man, there's five personality types, right? Yep. Essentially. Okay. So would you mind just breaking us down just a quick rundown of like, what are the basics of each? Yeah. So type 1A, those are like the dopamine dominant individuals I talked about. So they're going to have, um, they're going to be like a natural leader, very talkative, outgoing. They are who they are. They don't care what you think. They're very argumentative. They like to compete. They love to win. Um, so for them, because they're so potentiated by dopamine, um, that's why like they're more likely to ride a motorcycle 200 miles per hour or start a fight at a bar or something that's going to give them that dopamine response. Um, they're actually more prone to addiction for that same reason. Um, so with their personality type, you know, because they're very intense, very outgoing, when we look at training, they like to win each workout. They're super competitive. So for them, it's like add more weight to the bar, lift heavier, get stronger, win each session. Um, maybe more of like your typical power lifter because they're hard workers. They're going to grind out each session, outwork you type of people. Um, type 1B, they're going to be very similar in that they're dopamine dominant as well but they're not as competitive. They're more of like a lead by example versus like a, a talkative outgoing leader. Um, they're more imaginative. Their personality is very explosive. So they're the type of people that can go from like zero to a hundred and back to zero again in like an instant. Um, and they're, they're great multitaskers. So um, because they have, they're sensitive to dopamine, but they have high levels of acetylcholine, which is the neurotransmitter that's responsible for motor coordination, memory, movement pattern. Um, so if you have, if you're somebody who's like a natural athlete, you pick up skills very quickly, you likely have high levels of acetylcholine. Um, so they have very good skill transfer. So you could teach them, you know, a movement um, that doesn't, necessarily apply like let's say they get really good at kettle you know kettlebell swings and then all of a sudden that skill transfer applies to their deadlift and they've now used that to get stronger in the deadlift even though they didn't practice deadlifting um, that's right. typical for type 1b they're more of like your natural athletes they pick up things very quickly um, they're going to be more explosive by nature so kind of like your olympic lifters fast movements um, and then when you look at type 2A, that's my neurotype, we're adrenaline dominant. Um, we're people pleasers. We love variety. Uh, you know, we're kind of like the social chameleons where we'll modify our behavior based on the situation. Um, adrenaline, because it's responsible for that like perceived level of confidence. So when adrenaline is high, remember, it's part of the stress response of the body. So it like gets you ready for whatever stress is in front of you. So you have higher confidence, more focus, more mental clarity. So with type 2As, because we're adrenaline sensitive, that means we have low levels at rest, which means that if we're not kind of 
turned on, then we're going to be a little bit more insecure. We're going to be a little bit more laid back, that sort of thing, more calm and chill. But then once that adrenaline kicks in, we're like this alpha version of ourselves, almost like the Incredible Hulk and Bruce, Bruce Banner type of relationship. And um, so we, you know, we're kind of indecisive or people pleasers uh, with our training, we need variety. And I always say it's like anything can work from a training perspective, but nothing works for very long. Right. So two A's will tend to gravitate more towards like CrossFit and that style of training, just because there's already that variety built in and like no two workouts are really the same. Um, but we can pretty much do anything. And then when you have type two B's, um, they're driven by glutamate, which is the emotional amplifier. That's the neurotransmitter. Uh, it also plays a role in memory, but when glutamate is high, you have these big emotional reactions. So if you're happy, you're like euphoric. If you're sad, you're depressed. And um, as such, the type two Bs are very emotionally driven. They make decisions based off of instinct and feel. They're great in like one-on-one settings. Uh, they're great listeners. They're the type of people that would like do anything for a person they admire. Like I give you the shirt off of my back type of person. Uh, and and they have a lot of respect for like the, the perceived leader. So if you think about like in sports terminology, like they would do anything for the star player. They're like, you know, almost like the, the Dennis Rodman of the group. who's just like, I'm going to do all the dirty work. Just, I don't need any of the accolades or in hockey, like they're going to lay out in front of the goal and, and, you know, take a puck to the face just to stop somebody from scoring. Like that's typical of like a 2B type of mindset. Um, and with their training, because they're all about feel, they're all about emotion, um, sensation, they're typical bodybuilders. They love the pump. They love that mind muscle connection. Uh, they need positive reinforcement. And that comes from like both with, with, you know, their life and when it comes to training and nutrition. So they're the type of person where like they might do a spin class or orange theory because that puddle of sweat is like the positive reinforcement that they crave that says, Oh, I did something you know, productive, right? I did something well. Um, so that's typical for a type two B and then type threes are, uh, serotonin dominant and they're like the higher anxiety people that I talked about. Uh, so they crave repetition. They're very organized. They're very tactical and, um, kind of internal thoughts, you know, they're that have that internal dialogue more than, than other people. Uh, they're very cerebral, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, kind of like your accountants, they're, you know, just making practical, logical decisions and need repetition and organization and structure. So with training, they can really do anything, but they want to feel in total control of the movement. They want to master every single movement before they feel confident because they have a little higher anxiety. Once they've felt like they've mastered form, then they can really be proficient at anything, but they're very much like technique geeks. They want to know the movement in and out and feel in total control um, before they progress. So that's kind of like a, a run through a little bit on how that looks from a neurotransmitter standpoint, um, just to give a brief overview and how that looks from like a personality characteristic. I feel like all of this, when you see things like this, it's so empowering for so many people to just see like, oh shit, like it is okay that I feel like this and it is okay if my, the approach that works best for me is different and like actually seeing like, oh, there's actual science behind why like whatever diet works for my friend on Facebook isn't working for me. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the the number one thing. It's like more self-awareness and then also feeling like there's nothing wrong with you. Your personality right. is just what it is and it's not like some people are like, oh, I wish I was this neurotype or that neurotype. Like there's no winner there's pros and cons to all of them we all have our strengths and weaknesses it's a it's about awareness around how do we play to your strengths and then how do we work on your weaknesses and overcome them and that's kind of i think the most 
empowering thing, as you said, it's really that self-awareness and almost like the permission to just be who you are. Okay. Okay. Now I want to move on to mindset here in just a second, but just cause I'm interested, what do you set your training up? Like my personal training? Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny cause I typically go in waves, um, as my, my neurotype is, is this way. Uh, there's some times where I'm like all about bodybuilding. Um, there's some times where I'm like, all right, I need something more where I'll do more like kind of metabolically demanding higher tempo, less rest period, type of programming. And then sometimes I'm like, you know what, I just want to keep it simple and like lift some heavy stuff and not really spend that much time in the gym. So, um, I have a lot of variety built in my training, um, right now with like the limited access that we have. Um, it's been just trying to do some like more metabolically demanding stuff, more supersets, that sort of thing. And just trying to get in what I can. Um, before that I had been, you know, more focused on a strength phase and then prior to that, it was like very strict bodybuilding. So like it's, it's kind of scattered just like my personality, but I'm always trying to keep some form of like progression in place. And depending on the goal, like I spent time trying to put on muscle, which is when I was really in that bodybuilding phase. And then I was like, you know, it'd be cool if I focused on strength for a little bit. So went through that phase. Um, and now it's really more of just like, can I maintain without access to, you know, a full gym? Okay. Okay. So for you coming from like what we talked about here, you struggled with all these diets, you kept rebounding the weight. What was it like intentionally going through? I'm guessing then during your bodybuilding phase, you were like intentionally trying to put on a little bit of weight, right? Yep. What was that like for you? Was like that a mind fuck at all or no? Yeah, it was, it was like probably the most challenging from a mindset standpoint versus any time I've ever tried to cut. And that can definitely raise some, some mindset issues, but actually bulking and adding size and seeing the scale go up. Uh, that was probably more difficult because we always have these like arbitrary numbers in our head. And when you've like, you know, been successful and you've achieved a certain either body composition or number on the scale, that was your like target weight or whatever, even though it's all arbitrary, but we still have these like roadblocks, this mental roadblocks. So for me, it was like, you know, I had this number that I just did not want to see. It was like, I'm never going to get to 190. And, and my, and, you know, after I had gotten to a certain point, anytime I would even see the scale at like 185, I'd be like, nope, fuck this. I'm cutting. I'm getting my <laughs> weight back down. It was like, there was literally just this, this mental roadblock. And for me to, you know, actively push past that and then like see 190 and um, go through that process of still having to just, you know, believe in what I was doing and show up each day and know that, you know, it was a, that I was on this path for a reason. Uh, it really helped me kind of attach to the like intrinsic motivation, which is something that I talk a lot about. Uh, we can have these external motivators as far as like, yeah, I want to look better, all these other things. I want to hit a certain number. I want to fit into a certain pair of pants or whatever the case may be. These are all external motivators for doing something. But if you don't have a strong internal motivation, um, external motivators are, are very unstable. They don't carry you through tough times. So it really made me get crystal clear on like why I want to do this. What does this do for me internally? And, you know, have that be kind of the, the guiding light that allowed me to get through the, the mindset struggle. Okay. So for clients you bring on, or you might talk about this in the book as well, for people that feel like they aren't super clear, and this is a very open-ended question, so answer however, but for people that feel like they aren't super clear on like that internal motivation, do you have like a process you walk people through to like get more clear on that? Or like what was getting more clear on that for you like? 
Yeah. So the process that I go through is with other people, um, it's more along the lines of like motivational interviewing where I want to like walk them through the process of coming up with their own answers. Uh, so, you know, it's really asking a lot of good questions and insightful questions and, and having them come up with the answer, but then knowing that the surface level answer is never the answer. So we always have to go like three, four, five, six layers deep. And it's just trying to peel back what that looks like for them. Um, again, it's not as impactful if I say, well, maybe it's because you want to be healthier for your kids. Like now I'm planting that thought in their brain. I want them to come up with that idea on their own if that truly is their internal motivation. So typically what happens, it's like, you know, what, what would this mean for you? And you start to kind of get them to talk about the feeling of accomplishing whatever their goal is and, um, and then start to ask some other questions as to why does that even matter? Uh, you know, you want to fit into this pair of pants. That's great. Why does that even matter? What would that do for you? What would that feel like? And then keep going. You know, we have to typically get like four or five layers deep before we start to get close to what that intrinsic motivation looks like. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do when it comes to creating more self-awareness. Um, journaling is a great way to do it. Meditation is a great way to do it. Practicing gratitude is a great way to do it. So um, having just different tools in the toolbox that creates more self-awareness. Um, I do all of those things personally. So uh, that's like when it comes to how am I going to get clear on like, why does this matter? Or is this even something that I want to do? Or am I doing it because of my ego or because of some external motivation? I'll become, it'll become very apparent as I go through some of the mindfulness practices that I do, um, which is the same thing. But I, I always want for other people to get there on their own. And right. that's really like, it's almost like as a coach, and, and you know this, like we're, we're there to just kind of like steer the ship, but like they're really in full control. And that's oh. the thing. It's like, you know, giving somebody the, the tools and the keys to, to, to steer, it's like we can help guide the path a little bit. Ultimately, they have to make every decision. A hundred percent, man. And I feel this conversation has come up a lot on this podcast lately with my guest, um, just talking about coaching. It's there's, I, I know when I first got into coaching, I thought it was just, I give people macros, I give them their training program, they follow that shit, they get results. <laughs> but like, really it comes down to asking really good questions and just constantly digging, 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 giving people autonomy, digging. And that's how people actually create change that they can sustain even after we're done working together. Yeah. And there's, you know, that's another cool area of research is that autonomy and self-efficacy. It's like when it comes to fulfillment and happiness, we see that come up in the literature over and over again. So if you're ever, and this is actually something that frustrated me to no end, like every program that I had tried, when I would question why we're doing what we're doing, like, why are you telling me I can't eat these foods? Or why are you telling me to eat this and not that? And all the only answer I ever got was just follow the plan. Right. And I was like, cool, I'm going to follow the plan, but I would love to know why. And that's where, you know, when it comes to, you know, creating that kind of sustainability factor, helping somebody connect the dots between, yeah, this is working, but let's understand why it's working so that you can actually do this without a coach. And I always say like, that's the objective at the end of the day is coaching becomes a luxury. If you see the value in it, which everybody should, then right. you keep doing it because you enjoy it. But it's not something that you're like, oh, I need a coach because I have no idea what to do. A good coach will get you to the point where you know exactly what to do and you see the value. So you keep doing coaching. But um, that's a whole you know, tangential topic. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, man. I always tell people on our initial call, like if three to six months down the road from now, 
you don't have the, I'm not by any means going to like push you out the door, but if you don't at least have the confidence that you could hundred percent sustain these results on your own, then I've failed you as a coach. Like my job is to literally teach you how to do this shit without me. So no, I couldn't agree more, man. I want to be super respectful of your time, dude. So before I let you go, um, is there anywhere you would like the listeners to check out anything at all you want to plug? Um, yeah, I mean the, the best place for, if people are interested in the book, uh, it's personalitydietbook.com. Um, they can actually get the book from there and get some, like some stuff to understand a little bit more about like the, the personality approach to nutrition and training. Uh, so there's some free resources that they can download right from that page. And then, um, that, that's pretty much it. If like somebody's interested in learning more again, like free resources, my website is neurotypetraining.com. Um, so if you wanted to kind of like get a little bit more in depth on the science behind it, that's probably the best resource. And then if you wanted to pick up the book, it's just personalitydietbook.com. Awesome, man. I will link all that up in the show notes. And again, thank you for being here, bro. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me.